BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the show. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. Uh, We're joined by Jim Polk. Thanks for being here, Jim. Al, thanks for having me. Absolutely. That was thank you, and thank you for playing that song, Marcus. I'll tell you this, boy from North Country. This song is going to be big. Girl, girl, it's a girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have I been thinking about? <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, of course, Jim, you uh, a regular guest on uh, Pat Dixon's uh, New York City Crime Report. That's and yes. uh, thank you so much for being here. We we saw each other on Friday night. Yes, we did. And I'll tell you, your uh, your girlfriend, she's in a band, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's a great singer. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it was a very good show. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed what, it. What's her name? Um, her name? Yeah, is Julie Notwitz. So yeah, check out this Julie Notwitz. I'm telling you, band she, is Lucrative Jacket. Lucrative Jacket. Yes, very good band. That's kind of good. Almost as good as the Cowman. Oh, thank you. That's nice. <laughs> You've done a lot of stuff. And uh, if, I feel like people of CCR kind of, they know who Jim is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. totally. So they know you're a, you're a defense attorney. You uh, you are, what's this fellow's name? John Wayne Gacy's attorney. Sam Emirante. Sam Emirante. And uh, you make Mr. Emirante seem like a real uh, nice guy. Do I? Um, <laughs> because he represented John Wayne Gacy, you know. You've got a lot of cases. What what led you to uh, to want to be a defense attorney? I were you I, a bad kid? I, I was a terrible kid growing up, stealing a bunch of things, cigarettes and booze and all that. And that's why I, uh, that's why I like the prison population. I want to like you know change it and things. Was there something in, in in particular as a kid? No, actually, I I mean I I just smoked pot and played guitar as a kid. Played some baseball. You know, pretty pretty normal, sad Midwestern life. But uh, yeah. I actually reason i became a defense attorney was economic necessity it was the first and only job i got out of law school was working for the legal aid society and the criminal defense unit oh nice i wanted to be an immigration lawyer and i am one now too but so uh, immigration on the side of the immigrants or well, yeah, yeah yeah immigration on the side of the immigrants so you got a good heart i, I suppose yeah you, you would have to you know because he does he does well you have to, to be a defense attorney you know you, you have to deal with a lot of uh you know individuals that folks like to throw throw away throw in the trash put them put them in the can for as many years as possible that's a, that's a very generous perspective on it i really appreciate that that's yeah a, that's uh have you ever worked with somebody that was just like this person is scum of the earth and i can no longer work with them because i feel bad um that i've up until the no longer work with them no yeah Uh, the only few cases the only cases i really don't take and and i have i go through it to this day a real moral crusade about this in my head i I feel bad um i don't like animal cruelty cases okay i I just i've always liked animals um never really cared for those type of cases and the other ones are any type of trafficking sex or labor um okay Largely, I come from a very union family, and mm-hmm. um, I, I don't like to deal in slaves. But right. the reason I have a moral crusade about this is, is I don't like making moral distinctions. I take a very – it was Ron Kuby who once gave a speech at uh, the Bar Association, which he used the Godfather line. You know, this is the business we've chosen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how dare you get moralistic about it? And it, it is absolutely true because, you know, I mean, I, I just represented somebody accused of child sex abuse. I mean, I've had violent stranger rapes, execution-style homicides, right. robs from family members. It, and and for some reason, to make moral distinctions seems really absurd to me. It seems almost a failure. But those are the two cases I generally don't like to deal with. Which is sort of ironic because you would assume the whole justice system, by definition, is supposed to make a moral distinction between right and wrong. Well, yeah, I, I would suppose it does. But I think that's where the defense attorney comes in. Right. I mean, there's really two systems of law. There's the European civil system, which I hate. And why um, is that? Uh, it's an investigatory system. 
Um, the- it's it's a system in which everybody functions sort of in an investigatory capacity. The judge asks direct questions. The witnesses, sure. defendants often have to testify, things like that. Do they do jury trials there, or does the judge, like this Pistorius situation over, uh, <laughs> where is that at? Uh, I guess South that, Africa. Yeah, South, South Africa. Africa. Now, the judge is going to make the decision with two common people. Yeah. And, uh, and is that the way it is in the UK? Uh, UK is no, because UK actually uses a adversarial system like we do. But okay. most of the rest of Europe uses a civil law system. Okay. And it's... Um, I just I honestly think that that in a system in which this court which the justice system really is when everybody does already work together a fair amount on sheer necessity I mean we all appear in the same courts with the same judges with the same prosecutors same attorneys right that seems to be like the ultimate way of railroading somebody um, whereas the adversarial system mm-hmm. demands that just at having least one person one person yeah. who's required by sacred oath to fight your position till the bitter end. Right. I think oddly yields fairness. I mean, it's the most offensive part. It's the part that people hate the most, you know, the civilian types and, you know, the Romney voters. But, you know, they, um, they're they the ones that scream, you know, oh, these defense attorneys get away with murder until they're in the guillotine or right. usually till they're on a roadside giving a DWI breath test. Yeah, exactly. You know, know I, everyone... Uh everyone will really love a good defense attorney at some time in their life. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. That's a fact. And especially now, and, and you know, uh, obviously this really, you know, firsthand, we got the two million plus in prison. We talk about it all the time. Oh, yeah. And it's just insane how difficult it is to stay out of prison in America. It's very easy to squeeze your way into We're a prison. We're hyper-criminalizing cell. society. Yeah. We are, we are making everything criminal, it feels like, because it's every time something offensive anecdotally happens... It's reacted to by a bunch of ambitious people passing laws to make mm-hmm. it far more criminal. Right. I, you know, I mean, one of the finest examples is um, property damage, uh, criminal mischief. If you damage over $250 worth of property, it's an e-felony. And with the prices today, unless yeah. you buy everything at Walmart, which then you can damage a lot. <laughs> you can damage someone's home stereo system, somebody's garage, their their mailbox, and their car. And they're like, well, we got it at Walmart. So it's like, well, that's $235 worth of damage. So yeah. you're off the hook. Well, I think it's something that I think you told me, Jim, is that you know, nobody ever got elected lessening no, punishment. No, nobody ever did. I, I mean, certainly there have been politicians throughout the years who right. have lessened punishment. And... When sometimes things get just downright egregious and absurd, it becomes a popular crusade to change it. But nobody, very rarely, does somebody say, you know, yeah, I'm going to look at why the rapist raped this guy mm. or woman or whoever gets raped. Or, you know, I, yeah. I want to look at why, you know, they're killing people, why they're dealing drugs. Nobody ever wants that. They want to hear longer sentences, tougher on crime. And the irony is the, a lot of the people who get into public office uh, from the uh, prosecution side, like, you know, people like Chris Christie was a former prosecutor, mm-hmm. you know, relatively conservative guy, law and order, theoretically like limited government and a very with less good laws. prosecutor, too. Christie he was, was amazing. notorious as being one of the best in the uh, best in the federal system. Yeah, he was very good. But I mean, it just seems it seems anti conservative, you know, in the in the actual in the broader sense where it's like more law more laws are never good. We need to start repealing a bunch of laws. Um do you find that uh when you're when you're in there and you're and you're giving um you know uh the defense, do you ever feel has there ever been a point in trial where you're just like I went too far with this witness or like anything like that where you feel like you I mean cuz you have to deal with victims. You're talking mm-hmm. to a victim trying to get your client off have you ever had an experience where you felt uh, sympathy for the person that you're cross-examining? A lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're in the moment, you really don't. But this last trial I did, it was a, it was a child sexual abuse. Okay. I was pretty certain my client was innocent, seeing the allegations sprung up right around the time that he told his, the mother of this child that so he was leaving. I had no idea that you uh, were a defense attorney for Woody Allen. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Very high-powered guy here. Huge. I can't believe we know. I know. This is phenomenal. How was Woody? Nice guy? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he still has to pay. But, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I, yeah. But, I mean, you know, things like that. And, no, I did feel sorry for this victim. She was she was caught in the middle of this brutal argument between her parents. Right. Forced to reveal what turned out to be very false, embarrassing facts. And... Worse yet, we so she lied on the stand. She lied on the stand, and she yeah. lied to them, and she changed her story several times. And I felt bad for her. She was eight years old. She yeah. was eight. She God was eight damn. years old, and you know her mother was completely putting her up to us, as her mother had done previously with the previous boyfriend, Mia and, Farrow. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> well, no, I, I, this is the Mia Farrow case. I'm thinking it would be uh, whoever he was married to before. Oh, I forget. <laughs> so, Diane Keaton. Something yeah, yeah, like that. yeah. But um, you know, it was. Um, 
Yeah, and so I mean that. Yeah, I did feel sympathy for that victim. I absolutely. So when do. you when you have a eight year old on the stand and you have to get, you know, you're trying to defend your uh, your client. I mean, do you have to speak softly, right? I mean, very. And and because if if you're an asshole, then the jury's gonna be like that guy's a jerk. So we're convicting the guy he's uh, you yeah. know he's defending for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes though there are cases where I've made um, myself the jerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a very good one once where. Um, it was a uh, it was a murder for well, it was a execution style murder. And um, what's that? What does that mean? That means uh, basically, my client's boss told him this guy either ripped us off or did something we don't want. Knock him off. Okay. And um, this guy went and killed him. Uh, he actually lured. So back him. of the head, put him on the knees, the whole thing. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Got him into a car. Pulled out his gun, shot him square in the head. Just the old Aaron out. Hernandez. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I go much further back than that. I, I think of the scene in The Godfather with Paulie. Yeah, you know, yeah. leave the gun, take the cannoli, that sort of thing. But that was the, uh, <laughs> that was the case. And um, I feel like that's a restaurant I want to open <laughs> because I, I feel like there's too many guns on the streets. I want to say, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, you don't gotta pay me nothing. Just give me your firearm that you're gonna use to kill somebody later on. You can't kill someone with a cannoli. That takes thirty years. And it's heart disease. Yeah. And so um, halfway through it, uh, one of the co-defendants, the mm-hmm. driver of the car, had flipped. Okay. And he's testifying. And um, in the middle of his testimony, testimony, I can hear my client mumbling under his breath. And I lean over to calm him down, but I was way too late. My client jumps up and he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you, you snitching motherfucker. Not good. And he's like, you're going to get locked up again someday. I'm going to fuck. And, you know, the court officers had to restrain him. I, you know. Right. Disaster. So what do you do? What do you, yeah, so no, this, yeah, this is about as bad as it gets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, or do you just, I guess at that point you just stand up and slow clap and you're like, improvisation. He's been yeah. taking UCB classes. He's at level two right now. Which borough is this? Uh, this was in Queens. In Queens. Okay. Right. One of the more conservative of New York's boroughs, if you can say that. So it's easier to get a conviction there. It's easy. It's probably only Staten Island would be easier of New York City's okay. And I know Brooklyn, Kings County, very difficult, I say. Oh, yeah. Let them go. And Catch the Bronx and is probably the worst of all. Bronx and, Bronx and um, Brooklyn are catch and release. Manhattan's got a sharp office. They've just got smart jurors. Right. And Queens is definitely, I mean, Queens is the store owners, the neo-suburban types. The, uh, sure. They're the more conservative. I mean, it's all relative. You get out to the burbs and it's, it's, yeah. it's a cowboy mentality out there. So what was your reaction when this guy was like, I'm going to kill you? And you're like, no, you're on trial for murder. Don't I say that. I actually started standing up and screaming, like, Your Honor, I demand a mistrial. I absolutely demand a mistrial. This okay. is beyond prejudicial. The, the perjury committed by this witness has driven my client absolutely mad. He can't be judged fairly by these people. Right. And then when the judge is like, approach, I was like, no, I'm not going to approach. Approach. Let them hear what he's lying about. And I made this big scene screaming, talking over the judge. I, would, yeah. I was shouting at the prosecutor. All of it was really more for show than right. anything because it's, I mean, it's perfectly allowed for him to do that and yeah. for them to see it. It's not really mistrial, but I wanted to quickly defer attention from him and back to me right. and make and, me seem like the asshole right. and, and try to see if I could remove as much out of their mind as I could before what they'd just seen set in. That's great. It's like when Kobe Bryant bought his ring, that beautiful diamond, uh, bought bought his wife that beautiful diamond ring after cheating (laughs) on her. He's like, she's going to look at the ring and not remember the girl I banged. (laughs) And and, and you're the ring. Yeah, I was the ring. So I love that you said the word show because this is the thing about, uh, about, uh, you know, the, 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 the whole system, the theater, Mm -hmm. the theater of it. How much, how much more important is the theater and the spectacle than the facts? Well, I, I mean, the facts are what make the cases. In right. the end, I mean, you know, you see the, the glaring examples of cases that where, you know, you feel that justice wasn't served one way or another. But in general, most, I usually say most of my juries have gotten it right. Okay. Even when I thought the guy was guilty and they let him go, they got it right. Because either the evidence wasn't there mm-hmm. or there was a reason for them doing it. But most of the time, I mean, facts make cases. That case, for example... It wasn't like my case was particularly strong prior to that incident. I mean, there was right. two eyeball witnesses. Yeah. Because one of the people they shot in the back of the car lived. So mm-hmm. two guys, but they both had one eye. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, there was two eyewitnesses. Um, <clears throat> and moreover, the idiot lost his cell phone next mm. to the car. <sighs> so, where did I Where did I leave that? Uh, yeah. uh, by, the, by the car where I killed the guy. Murder scene. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. not. Uh, <laughs> I got to call AT&T. Cancel my plan. <laughs> I've had a lot of interesting cell phone ones. The last one I won, there was a big cell phone issue. No, that was, I think you were telling me about this. It was something about the pinging, right? Yeah, they were pinging. Uh, they, they said my, my client's cell phone was pinging off a tower right near the murder scene at exactly the time 
that the murder was that the murder occurred. Yeah. Um, I mean, I brought in an expert who said that cell phones, you know, ping incorrectly three percent of the time, which doesn't sound all that often. Sure. Except for that, you think three out of every one hundred, and there's eight million people in the right. city. That's on any given moment, there are close to 300,000 cell phones mispinging at any given moment. It's probably why there's also 300,000 kids that weren't planned because of the condoms. (laughs) 3% of those fail as well. And, Ben, let me actually say this. On the cell phone situation, um, you know, I mean, the reality of that is, is that is one where the system can be corrupted because that client actually happened to have money. Right, to right. be able to actually retain a, an expert who could testify and explain that situation. A lot of people are stuck without that. Yeah, and I, a lot of people don't know that those expert uh, witnesses, that costs a lot of money. A oh, lot of money. Yeah. What's the most expensive, what's the most you've ever paid for an expert? Well, we had Cyril Wecht, the famous uh, forensic science, uh, forensic uh, pathologist who's mm-hmm. been on TV a month. He charged um, an initial retainer of 10000 he charged out at $1,500 an hour and $3,000 an hour for testimony. I mean, this is this reminds me of uh, Dane Cook um, with, with colleges. $75,000 for an hour. Yeah. That's, what he, that's what he was charging. Ten grand just to go up there and testify. No, ten grand to get him to agree to look at the case. To even just look at it. Yeah. $1,500 an hour for every hour he puts in. And like every typical expert, and I would did, have expected nothing less. He used all ten. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. some. Yeah, and then when he went on to testify, do you feel like he was given a uh, a ten grand performance? Uh, yeah, I did in that case. He nailed it. I actually really—it was a cold case of an old body, and um, a lot of the deterioration wounds that they said were actual direct wounds um, caused by what they thought was a was a kitchen knife. Yeah, he actually discussed as animal attack and a variety of other things he really explained away the murder wounds so going back to that walmart uh, analogy about how that was so cheap you really do get what you pay for sometimes yeah. i mean and you got to look who you're paying for and you know we've also we saw that in the uh, the west memphis three case mm-hmm. that they said that a lot of the wounds were uh, were knife wounds but then they had and a really? forensic pathologist come in i think the same one i think that was wecked really the same guy <laughs> really? yeah, yeah. i'm really? not sure yeah yeah, yeah. 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 but think- he came in and he said that a lot of the wounds that they said from the kids because the kids were out in the woods for mm-hmm. about three days they said a lot of the mutilation that they said was made by turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's funny. It's it's bizarre to think about. As humans, we say, oh, how tragic and sad. You have, we have a, three children dead in a ditch, and then turtles are like, buffet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe we have all this tea today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Turtle Jesus. Cycle of life, people. The cycle of life. <laughs> I'd imagine that's a big thing in, in cold cases. I mean, how often yeah. How often do prosecutors get, I mean, I know you probably don't have any sort of mm-hmm. exact figure, but how often do prosecutors get away with passing off those kind of like, I guess, animal wounds as actual wounds? Well, frankly, I don't know because yeah. I'd never heard it before. Oh, I mean that's that was a situation when yeah. he brought that up. It was uh, it was something I never heard, and then I heard it again in West Memphis Three, and I was thinking mm-hmm. that that is a really interesting phenomenon. One of the more interesting things about cold cases, though, is oftentimes they have the body all that time. They right. did a proper examination at the time. I mean, West Memphis Three was a little bit different because three um, days of deterioration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and they really bungled that at the inception. Oh, they were just huge fat cop officers who had no clue what was going on. Oh, they were well on. out of their hands. Oh, I mean, they were way. not murder police by no, any stretch no, of the no, imagination. No. They were donut police. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, That's they were it. juvie probation type police. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and then, um, you know, and the other thing, though, is they often are handled from the beginning. The difference is, is there's a shelf life on facts. Right. Um, and, you know, oftentimes techniques used 15, 20 years ago um, have later been discredited because, right. like the lie detector, and oh, and lie, I like mean, that. all sorts of that's that's the most blatant one. I mean, that right. never really worked, but uh, you know, but it's yeah. um, things like that that you know, it's they did a certain type of mitochondrial DNA scan 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now they realize how suspect a contamination that was, or the proper evidence gathering techniques 23 years ago have been improved by certain right. things that can cause different results. That's often where your experts, especially on cold cases, come in. Yeah, in my opinion. So um, I, I'll tell you, I was watching this Charlie Rose. And he was interviewing. Uh, he was interviewing a lawyer, and uh, and, the, and the lawyer said a very funny sentence about how, like, you know, all lawyers love facts, but only the facts that uh, you know that fit their narrative. Have you ever heard information from a prosecutor that you were just like, well, that definitely seems damning to my client? Oh, um, yeah. And you just have to forget it, or do you uh, acknowledge it and uh, and or validate it? Or I mean, how do you deal with that? I mean, well, usually, I mean, keep in mind, probably about. Five percent of all criminal cases actually proceed towards trial. So most um, just play out. Yeah, most play out because most are guilty. 
Right. I mean, most of these crimes are not these elaborate things that we talk about on the, I mean, most of these crimes are, you know, like he walked up and punched a guy in a bar or a right, fight right. broke out yeah. and somebody ended up stabbed. It's not sure. really hard to figure out what's going on. Hence like, the reason cops can do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you always say, uh, you only catch the dumb ones. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, people always ask me, how do you get away with the perfect crime? I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. I've never seen anybody do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I usually get the guy who leaves his cell phone at the execution. That's you know? how you get away with it. You no, know? I, was just, I was having a conversation with my friend about serial killers and it's funny because we think we know the best ones ever. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we know uh, Green River, 70 seven killed but it's like was he the best i mean there's somebody out there right now probably just going to sleep got 300 under his belt and we're never gonna know yeah zodiac i mean they never did catch that guy but he only got like 20 or something like that well, you got enough i said one <laughs> i always say one is enough you know it's like a wife yeah, yeah I, but i mean it's yeah I mean, well that's the thing is it's it's and also what constitutes good do they get away with it is that the key to it i suppose because yeah. i mean the most brilliant person i ever knew that i represented they 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 were in basically transporting of all kinds of illegal goods into the country okay um, it was a woman, actually, and um, she she was kind of would make sure things get through the docks in in Detroit and Virginia and Baltimore and yeah. and um, and get to the people who wanted to buy them. It's basically her entire specialty. See, and uh, somehow she got a whiff of a federal grand jury. I've never seen her again. Does that mean she's good, or is she just smart? She's gone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's she smart. vanished. I mean, yeah. to me, that's. But then again, I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody decided to rub her out. You know, there's no, there's yeah. always a million well, possibilities. And I'm sure she had a great orgasm because of it. <laughs> um, so 5% go to trial. Do you think that it's a, is it better to go to trial or is it better to uh, to just play out? Uh, it's usually better to play out. You think so? Um, play out, you control your fate. Yeah. In trial, I mean, trial, uh, there's a lot that goes. I mean, trial, you're, trial you experience the three most terrifying words in the English language. Right? Trial by jury. Uh, right. You know, and a jury of your peers are... There's a strange set of people you end up with on these juries. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, you know, 12 people can come up with anything. When it comes down to jury selection, this is what's so interesting as well, because they do a lot of research on the people that are going to, you know, this, this is a real debate between a prosecutor and a defense mm-hmm. attorney who can be on, on the actual trial. What are, what's, a, what's a perfect jury for you? If you walk into the room and you have a client, who do you, what 12 people, gender, racial, orientation-wise, do you want to be staring at to feel the most confident in your case? Well, it depends on the, tr- the crime. Let's say, let's do it, let's say execution murder. Execution. Black dude, black dude kills another gang member, execution style. Who do you want to see in the jury box? No, preferably people from his neighborhood because they usually ring out. People wearing red <laughs> and things like that? Yeah. No, no, I mean, I actually, no, I want people who, I want people who aren't going to get bogged down too brutally in the, uh, in the, um, you know, in the With pictures the and things like that, yeah. people who can remove themselves from that. I'm looking for people who might understand the origins of crime, probably a little more left-leaning. Okay. I like I like my liberals on a jury like that. Like sure. anybody from this neighborhood would be ideal on a jury like that. Long Island the, City, yeah. Yeah, because they'd sit in the jury box going, you know, oh, it's so sad that poor black kid from the right. projects had to do that. And, you know, things mm. like that so I really you, want. You would argue a more sympathetic mm-hmm. 70-year-old Upper West Side white liberal woman. That would, would be, be ideal. ideal. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Like, nail it. You want people who have seen The Wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the people it, yeah. I don't want are Jewish and Indian store owners. Right. Well, they, they've lived the wire, so yeah, it's yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. They're the guys they're dealing out front of their place or, yeah. you know, the guys live in the apartment they own and they, they will hang you so quick. Yeah. Have you ever had a jury that you just were completely convinced, hated everything that you were doing and then came out in your favor? Um, I, not a specific jury. Usually I get enough of my jurors on, but I've certainly had people that I never thought would be in my favor. Yeah. Vote my way. And, and the opposite too. Right. You know, I've had people I thought that they were 100% behind me were the ones that were the most adamant against me. Um, but no, most of the time I'm usually able to call it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, the only ones I actually, the, the, the joke is in the defense community, and I probably shouldn't say this because I'm revealing our biggest secret. It's a comedy podcast. You can a, joke if away. It's, if there's a rape of any kind, right. you want white women and black men and for a defense that? attorney. They don't like women. They don't like other women. Women don't like other women. Sure. And black men don't like women. I mean, that's, that's, that's I mean, a pretty they, bold racist statement to make. It it's obviously not true in any way, right, right, right. but they teach you that. I mean, when we were teaching you to do trials, right. other defense attorneys will absolutely say exactly what I just said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's completely absurd. No, and by but, definition, I mean, you have 12 random people from mm-hmm. society. I mean, you have to play on sort of stereotypical things. And that's the thing, as they say, that, you know, black men don't like women. I don't really believe that to be true, but sure. they always say if you're doing rape, white women, because mm-hmm. they'll turn on each other so quickly. Mm-hmm. Particularly white women. White women, yeah. Black women are often very sympathetic. 
okay. to other women. I think black women form a better community among women, but white women turn on women so quickly. You know, it's funny. And black men, as I said, I don't really believe the black men thing. I've not had that experience. I actually think black men are very, very nice to white women because they date them all the time. And I think it's, <laughs> it's very difficult to date a white woman if you're a black dude. And I think you have to be uh, quite kind. But they tell me that they're the ones that, that will often vote against it. Now, I mean, it's sure. also, let's be frank, uh, you know, <laughs> black men in this country have a long and storied history with white women and up until like only mm-hmm. within like our parents' lifetime were they even allowed to talk to them yeah. without being told they were violent rapists. Of so course, I mean, what was it? We, we, come by it honestly. The, 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 the kid there, Till, was it yeah, Till? Yeah, Emmett Till. Emmett Till, yeah. 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 Because, and of course, Birth of a Nation, the first major motion picture of all time. Uh, didn't depict them uh, very well when it came to the white lady. <laughs> ah, yes, birth of a nation, the birth of the film industry, run by Jewish people <laughs> that um, well, that, uh, was, that that promoted its great racist epic that lasts like five hours. I had it's to watch so that long. thing in film class. It's so long, I would never want to watch it's that. Tedious. Yeah, never want to see that whatsoever. His follow-up was quite good. The one that it was his, I'm sorry I was so racist. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the little tango I just did after that black men comment. Yeah, yeah. Rebirth of a nation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, that's, I like that. I mean, it seems like, um, goddamn, it seems like lawyers are more into profiling than cops are. Absolutely. Right. We're just better at it, I you think. Know, it's, yeah. it, it, but it is interesting. <laughs> that, I agree with that. It is interesting that you say that about black women. I, when I did the grand jury duty here in Kings County, mm-hmm. and of course you hear multiple cases, and I'll tell you... I, you don't do that. Do you, do you have to be one of those lawyers who does that? That's a prosecution thing. Only. Prosecution does it. I have put witnesses so into the grand jury. And you know what? I think that's a good idea. Most of the time. Well, except for when the guy did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 went, we let one guy go, but we, uh, there was another fellow. His name was Truck. And uh, I, I do a bit about it on stage and stand up, but uh, but the truth is, he came in to defend himself. That's that's great. That's really great. I love that. You know, sealed, sworn operation of law can't be revealed under any circumstances. They put a damn stand-up comic in the grand jury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Parading it around uh, New York City. <laughs> exactly. You like, can buy a ticket. Yeah. I won't tell anyone unless they say something really stupid. <laughs> um, and sure enough, he did. But Truck was his true name. I, I, it was it was it was uh, it was in the middle of two other names, but they called yeah. him Truck. Yeah. So he came in to defend himself, and uh, this is true. The first three sentences that he said was, I do a lot of coke. I know, how to make, I know how to make crack. I do a lot of coke. Guys in the neighborhood come to me for girls. And he was on trial for armed robbery. And uh, I was like, well, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard somebody say. I know why well, he did it, too. Well, under oath, yeah. And, and, and I'm, 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 I'm interested to hear uh, your thoughts on it. There, there was a black gal in the crowd uh, in the jury. And after he left, I was like, well, I mean, obviously he's guilty because he's like guilty of three other felonies that he's not being charged with right now, too. Um, and she said, well, I thought it was really humanizing. Yeah. It really humanized him. But in my mind, I was just like, what an idiot. Why would you say that under oath? You he know? was probably convicted of it previous. Oh, you think so? That would be exactly why. Yeah, because um, here's the thing. You usually I see, work so out- it doesn't come out later to hurt him. Yeah, you, well, you steal their thunder. Ah. Because the prosecution probably has a long script ready to cross-examine him on it. You know, if, and if he doesn't reveal that out, he's like, I've done coke, I do this, people come in for girl. He probably had a con- conviction for each one of those things. Right. And rather than look like a complete liar when she's like, well, you've often done this before, you've committed this felony before, haven't sure. you, haven't you? you? The only chance you have is to steal, your, steal the thunder. I mean, his defense attorney seemed to really freak out. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, no, no. Well, the other thing about it is, is it could have been some poor like you know i mean i'm say poor ass i was one for five years i think the world of their their work but yeah. you know, i mean sometimes at legal aid it's like i used to walk in it's like oh this guy demanded a felony exam he's going into grand jury at noon it's like oh well who is he yeah you know yeah. i gotta go down to the pens and quickly prep him up for grand jury right. so it could have also dropped on the poor guy that way i mean yeah. that's or i mean <laughs> sometimes you just don't know what you no matter how much you work they just I mean, get up there and do what they're gonna do yeah i mean the, yeah so you're pretty much just a um you're just a chef at a restaurant you know you have to make food but you have no idea what kind of food it one is of my like, order up and you're like i got truck yeah <laughs> I, I have to make a truck now <laughs> yeah yeah one of mine was in was in queens and the guy walks in i mean he's you're a public defender uh no this was in uh this was actually in private practice oh okay there's a lot of gangs that have my card yeah, and use me exclusively. Um, so I end up with some interesting. A lot of private attorneys have like the fancy high end Woody Allen's of the world, if sure. you will. I end up with you know bones and fat tea and people like that. Well, you <laughs> never know when the rap career is going to take yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you, you could be doing uh, well. I have a lot of rappers. Yes, um, <laughs> for someone who can barely stand the medium. But it's, um, yeah. Anyways, and he went in, and um, he just goes. He's like, "Let me tell you, man. It was an armed robbery too. Yeah. He stole a watch right off a guy's wrist." Let me tell you, I deal coke. I deal coke 
all the time. I have been dealing Coke for 15 years. Right. He's like, right now, sitting in my pocket is 1500 that I made before coming to court here today. Right. Why the hell would I rob somebody? Right. And how was that reaction? <laughs> he, was, they, he walked. It was a no true bill. He kept, every time what does a no true bill mean? That means, uh, well, that's when you said you let him go. Okay. Mm-hmm. That comes by the, the, the fancy word. The reason that we get paid a lot is because is you say we let him go. We say it came back a no true bill. Okay. We learned to talk that weird way. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it's um, basically it came back a no true bill, but I really think it was his whole thing. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a drug dealer and I'm a little higher up than everybody else. Right. I've got my cars. I've got my money. I'm not going to run around the street corner robbing somebody. Right. Are you fools? And I think that actually worked in his favor. Interesting. And this was a grand jury situation. This was a grand jury, yes. So you had him testify. Are, are there any, how do you um, make the decision to let a defendant uh, testify or not testify? Um, if they have a story that I can pass off. Yeah. If, I, if, 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 it, if it passes my disbelief test. And then I also have the secret. I'm of Mazzy and Polk. The Mazzy, who will uh, never Maz- come on. Mazzy is my partner. Okay. Jennifer Mazzy. She, she was a former rackets prosecutor who presented probably oh 200 cases to the grand jury as a prosecutor okay and she preps the living shit out of these people okay she has them in our office for hours and hours we've brought in focus groups to act as grand jurors things like that we've created mock grand jury scenarios and this is for the clients who can afford these sort of things yeah absolutely yeah i don't pay for that yeah (laughs) they pay our retainer but um no it's the clients who can afford that sort of things but even when the ones that can't you know, even the ones that pay an ordinary retainer will at least prep them half to death, uh, you know, because we don't like to practice till they get it right. We practice till they're not going to get it wrong. Right. Till it's ingrained in them. So you're like the Bill Belichick of lawyers. We try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we try. And a lot of lawyers say never put your client in the grand jury. And the reason of this is because it's sworn testimony. So if it goes to right. trial, there's nothing you can alter. Right. But our attitude is, is like if it's a good enough story, it's going to come out now. Let's unless you lock it in now. Yeah. Unless you have your fingers crossed and you have that drunken stenographer. Did you hear yeah, that story? I heard about that. Was that was amazing. Yeah. This was one of the best stories all week. Uh, there was a fellow who was in the, uh, I've read this in the New York Post because I'm really stupid in the morning and I take the G train and you have to read the New York Post when you're dumb on the G. And uh, there's a stenographer who was just a raging alcoholic and all he wrote for uh, multiple trials was, multiple. I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. He was like a little uh, Jack Nicholson from The Shining. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, that, was, that was amazing. Um, especially seeing court reporters are among the most annoying people in the system. Yeah. Not all. There's some excellent ones. But, I mean, you are kind of at the fa- – they'll, they'll interrupt you. I can't understand what you're saying, which is right. completely – I mean, you listen to how I talk. I, I, I understand. In, yeah. 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 It's, it's, I have a Midwest accent. They want me to be a telemarketer. I mean, you know. Right, and, right, um, right. So they're like that. They're always interrupting. They, they often interject themselves in the proceedings. Yeah. And you're sitting there the whole time thinking – couldn't a tape recorder do your fucking job? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Technology has gone past this primitive. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, they're, they're so laying funny. off factory workers, right? Left right, and sideways. Right. And you linger on the state's tip. <laughs> How is this possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. There's cameras all around. I think we got it covered. Yeah. And then if you yeah. want the minutes, they charge you again for that. So funny. Have you ever put anyone on the stand and you were like, this guy's going to do great and just he bombed. Yes. It, oh, and yeah. He got found guilty because of it. Um, he didn't. Well, I guess he did get found guilty, but not of the lead charge. What so was, it was a what, win. What, what, what uh, major mistakes did he make? And, and tell me, uh, give me advice, because I'll be on the stand sometime. <laughs> it's at some only point a matter of something. time. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, call me. Yeah. Hopefully more of a drunken lawnmower. Like, I got to go to the beer store still, you know, when I moved down <laughs> like, to Oklahoma. Like a George something. Jones. Yeah, more That's of a Jones. Yeah. That's what I would like. Yeah. <laughs> Riding the lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, he, uh, he froze up Okay, and he delivered his testimony so contrived because all testimony is contrived. Right. Anybody who tells you it isn't is just full of shit, but we worked on it. We worked on it. And I think the best cross, uh, direct examination, um, is cause it has to be open-ended questions. You can't do the leading questions mm-hmm. that you get on cross-examination, but I think the best one is the one that sounds like a conversation. Right. Where I just sit there, so wow, so then what happened? Mm-hmm. So then what happened? And I let them lead, and we prepped him for that. And he got up there, and he said, I was in a bar. A policeman approached me. He hit me. I fell down. I didn't do anything. Right, right. You know, he yeah. didn't leave me, and it looked so controlled and so contrived. And this looks poorly on you. Yeah, it did look poorly on me, which was, I mean, he was a very well-paying client, and he worked very, very hard. Yeah. I mean, if I was to call him as one who would have choked. And what was he on trial for? It was a resisting arrest. Okay. It was a resisting arrest. He was playing pool in a bar where they were doing an undercover prostitution sting. Yeah. For some reason, seven special operations officers are trying to bust one prostitute in this bar. Very crowded, confusing bar. 
my guy gets run into by a, by a sergeant wearing a Spider-Man T-shirt oh. and carrying a flashlight. My guy says, I jumped up, said, what's wrong with you? And he cracked me with a flashlight. They said my guy took a swing at him. Yeah. And that well, was either way, his, I see. That's the reason. Either way, his, his friend likes the lamest of all the superheroes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Spider-Man's the worst. Resisting arrest is so funny to me because what... So then you just get arrested? Yeah, and, like, and that's what a, is that's the a question, resisted arrest? You that's know? a question I've always uh, had: is that how can someone be charged with only resisting arrest? Well, yeah. or just like I mean, but what is resisting arrest? So if you don't resist the arrest, you don't get arrested. Then why are you getting arrested? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Makes, no, no. How can you only be charged with resisting? Well, arrest? and that's that's you used to not really be able to in New York uh, up until very recently. The court basically said if there was no underlying arrest charge, resisting arrest. You couldn't sustain an arresting, resisting arrest. Now, what they've come to is, is if probable cause existed at the time the arrest was made, yeah. you can resist an arrest, even if subsequent investigation means there was no charge to be arresting you on. So a cop can just run up to you, be like, you're arrested, and they're like, why? You flail your arms a little bit, maybe you hit them on the you shoulder. You nailed the words right there. That's what almost everyone says. They, they flailed their arms in a way so as not to be cuffed. That's yeah. the language. No That's one, the magic words. No one wants to be cuffed. So that means they can just put the cuffs on you and take you wherever they want to take you. Yes. So by definition, a cop can just go falsely, uh, you know, uh, just try to put hand. Uh, another human being just tries to put handcuffs on another human being. Yeah. yeah. And the human being who's trying to be handcuffed is like, I don't want to be handcuffed. Yeah. And now this is now this is a crime. Well, and this that is- person, even if that is a plain clothes officer, like they don't have to show you a badge first. They don't have to. Like uh, in theory, they do. In but theory, here's the problem you have. We have all these wonderful rights. Uh, you you know, everybody's seen TV, so they know what they are. Sure. But 90% of these situations take place between one person and one or two police officers. Right. There's no smoking gun in these things. And they lie right, left, and sideways. They say some of the most absurd crap, and it just right. walks right through a court because there's really oftentimes no one to refute it. How, how much do you trust the police? Me? I don't at all. Yeah. I mean, I do for, you know, taking a report when my car was broken into. I sure. trust them for that. I, I trust them in general for some sort of public order things. And I yeah. mean, there are some police that I think are really dedicated, focused police officers and detectives. But I, I mean, I also know what they're capable of. Yeah. And, and especially with the unionization and everything, they've really created a, I mean, it's the thin blue line. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the famous documentary. It's, well, I'll it's, tell you one thing. I'm, I'm going to change that right now. I've seen NYPD officers. It's the fat blue line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they are fat. Um, so that, w- that was one thing that I learned from grand jury duty as well. Every time a, a detective or a cop would come in to uh, make the case for the prosecution, highly skeptical, mostly Hispanic and blacks. On the, on the, uh, on the, uh, how often do you think cops lie under oath? I, I say fairly regularly. Pretty much every time that they're talking. I, I mean, I, that's, I'm very cynical because I'm in the system all the time. Right. But, you know, I mean, I just did a hearing recently where it was they arrested a guy for violating an order of protection. They came to his home. Mm-hmm. And their testimony was he came to the he came to the door. Yeah. Opened the door, saw the cop says, is this about a girl? I didn't call her. That's the statement. It, OK. They then said that he was free to leave at that time, that he just stood there for 10 minutes while no conversation occurred. The cop? Yeah. The cop says this. And then they took him under arrest because they were already going to arrest him. And he says nothing. He resists nothing. He, you know, he says so the guy just, like, he gets into a catatonic state. Is yeah, it's basically what they tested. No, that's completely idiotic. Not, not nobody possibly. in the world should believe that. Right. But you know, it's hard to be a judge without the backing of the police union. And if you keep going and dumping right. police arrests, you're not going to keep your job very long. So. so this is why. So you do believe the fact that we <laughs> sorry, do, Marcus. Do, do, <laughs> no, it's all stuff I know. I didn't I know pick you as the idealistic one. <laughs> I, I, it's just it's, it's stuff that I know. I always know. It just it always sucks to get it confirmed over and over. Yeah. And I mean, over we've done the again. crime report a long time uh, now. I know, Those and we've had plenty of conversations outside yeah. of these shows about this shit. But it just. Yeah, I mean, even Ernesto Miranda, the famous yeah. Ernesto Miranda, um, you know, it's that only really got exposed because the police basically said, yeah, I didn't tell him what his rights were. We never do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, we don't have to do that. And that's the only reason he got lucky enough for that case to be the famous one it was. Yeah. Coincidentally, before everybody goes in Trump's Miranda, 
Um, you know, he was a deranged sociopathic rapist who absolutely did exactly what he was convicted of. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and he was died in a bar fight three but, years later. But he wasn't given the, th- uh, what is it, yeah. eight sentences that matter the most. Yeah, right? yeah, the, 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 you have the right to remain yeah. silent. And I'm sorry, Jim, uh, no to have you on the show today because Marcus is currently shattered. Um, <laughs> on the uh, next episode of Last Podcast on the left, we're going to be just, uh, discussing the Franklin cover-up. And I walked into the studio today and Marcus regaled me with the research he's been doing and... Uh, Everything's going to be okay. Thank you. You know, I can't wait for this to be over. Yeah, exactly. The Franklin, <laughs> of course, the, the research for the Franklin cover up. So listen to the last podcast on Wednesday. And of course you will, because uh, people love it. Yes, they do. People love that show. That's for sure. Um, what do you think about that uh, with the Miranda rights? Do you think that, I mean, a lot of cops feel as if the world's too liberal. They think that there's too many rights for, uh, for criminals. Do you think that's the case? Not a chance. I, I, I'm 100% opposed to that position. I'm no rampaging liberal either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to see me at any ACLU meetings or anything like that. I mean, I think right. I'm just whining about having to pay taxes for Bill de Blasio before <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, for the pre-K, yeah. Um, but no, any, I, any anti-de Blasio talk is allowed. I don't care. That yeah. sounds good to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm no real raging liberal, but I, I, I think that's a complete and patent absurdity. I mean, it's you now can't even... There's... My, my objection to hate crime laws in general are like you're now criminalizing what people are thinking, right. essentially. I right. mean, you know, it's, it's hyper-criminalized. Evidence is such a low standard for things to come in, even in state courts, even in a very, very, what's considered pro-defendant state here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, evidence is such a, such a minimal. There's mandatory minimums down mm-hmm. the line on all sorts of things mm-hmm. that no way take into account specific facts. I mean, no, I... I wholeheartedly disagree with the police on that it's interesting mandatory minimums completely against them i think judges need to have that discretion but it is a that that is sort of a middle ground that needs to be found with what the way in europe you know where you can just have one judge deciding everything and Mm -hmm. i suppose theoretically this is just like no we're gonna have a standard so there's then no corruption with the judges well here's here's my example of the problem with mandatory minimums you know um i know somebody who was pulled over stopped and they found in their car a loaded handgun. Okay. That's the kind of thing you want to prevent. Mandatory minimum in New York State on a loaded handgun, not licensed, not in your home, is three and a half mandatory minimum for Plaxico, anybody. Plaxico Burris. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he even got a reduced deal. He got a D felony. But, um, you know, that's, and that's exactly the kind of crime you want to prevent. Yeah. Uh, the Haitian Day Parade. I remember I had a client who was patted down and they found a handgun on him. You know, that's the kind of thing they want to make. I also had the client who 10 years ago loaned his legally licensed and registered handgun in the state of California mm-hmm. to a girlfriend who was driving across country to New York. Okay. She drove across country. Six years later, he's visiting New York. He picks up the handgun. He puts it unloaded, locked case in his suitcase. This yeah. man has never had any problem with the criminal justice system. He bought the handgun. It remains licensed out of state. Puts it in his suitcase, takes it to JFK, declares it. They stop him because he didn't have a travel permit and it wasn't licensed in the state of New York. He's right. now facing a mandatory minimum, three and a half as well. For nothing. For, for literally for that. Yeah. And, and it seemed like he was attempting to follow the rules. Yes. Do you think we need a federal line? Because I am a very, I know Marcus is a little bit more, um, I guess, conservative about it. But the gun issue, like, I don't know if we need semi-automatics and things like that. What, what's your stance on that? And like, uh, as far as like, um, you know, transfer them via states and things, do we need a federal gun uh Gun law, would that help it? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I really don't know. It's Gun laws, to me, are an interesting one because this is, this is almost like a legal lecture at this point. But uh, we've, the Constitution never really was intended to apply to the individual states. Okay. It was supposed to be a federal overseer of federal law. What about this whole states' rights thing? And then that's what the whole states' rights were. States were allowed to do their own. However, you know, there was, been this, there was this trend to put the rights found in the Bill of Rights onto all the states. Mm-hmm. And they've used this doctrine of what's a fundamental right and what isn't. And it's been split down political lines. You know, liberals love the, the you know, you can't incriminate yourself. You have a right to an attorney. You have a right to a jury. Sure. Conservatives love the right to guns that rights not found in the Constitution or state. My attitude is you can't keep doing this pick and choose what we like and what we don't. It's either they right. all apply or they all don't. And then as for gun laws and and states that like to restrict guns, I think you do really run up against a real problem with the Second Amendment. But at the same time, if you're one of those Second Amendments who not so fond of criminals having rights, you're going to have a real problem because, you know, the Fourth Amendment rights, the grand jury rights, the rights to counsel, things like that will matter a lot more than they probably do in your home state. And by the way, 
I'm not for assault rifles. Um, I like shooting them. I say make hay while the sun shines. Okay. <laughs> so no, I don't not... mind if they go away at all. I'm just yeah. saying if they're around, I'm going to take a f- shot or two. A very, very okay. similar opinion that yeah. Jefferson had of slavery. <laughs> so now it got worse for you, Marcus. Now you're Thomas Jefferson having sex. And you are having sex with a black woman. I'm you having sex married. with a free black woman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> European, too. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a communist. <laughs> what do you think about all those stand your ground laws in Florida? Stupid, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's you're going to get exactly what you saw in Zimmerman repeatedly. And, it's going and to you be have seen it repeatedly. Absolutely. Yeah, Michael Dunn and yeah. a bunch of folks. I mean, Zimmerman is one where my opinion is largely not popular. What is what's your opinion on George? I, I think I think my opinion is is that the that that the actual shooting of Trayvon Martin kind of exposed the absolute worst of America. Mm. In but which, it actually in which exposed way? the best of the justice system. The best of the justice system and the worst of America. How is it the worst of America? Well, because I mean, it's an absurd thing that you know some fat dumpy white guy and some you know young black kid walking down the same street ends up in a murder. Right. For really, in, regardless of who started what and who did what, yeah. seems like a completely pointless and meaningless murder. Should right. have never happened. Right. You know, I mean, Zimmerman probably should have never had a gun because he seems like a bit of a loon. Oh, yeah. um, Any, you know. Anyone who wants to be community watch, yeah. Yeah. watch TV. <laughs> the voice was on, George. Yeah. Sit on your couch. Yeah, like yeah. a normal fat fucking American. Exactly. You know? like, and it's, I'm um, going to go patrol the streets. And it's like, no one asked you to. I mean, that whole situation <laughs> never had to happen. I mean, the reality was there was not any evidence there for a murder. How is, how is it the best of the legal system? Because despite the fact that the safe and smart thing would have been they were banging for this man's blood. They mm-hmm. would have strung him up. Vast numbers of people would have strung him up. And vice versa, other people would have broken him out of jail. I think the system actually delivered probably the appropriate verdict. I mean, it took one month for them, or was it one or two months before they actually charged him with the crime? I think it was a month. A month. And because the prosecutors knew they didn't have the facts for it. Right. With the way the laws were written, and even if the laws weren't stand your ground, I don't think the facts were there. The, the, the facts were very reverse looking. They were very, Trayvon shouldn't have died. Right, But they didn't know who attacked who. They didn't know if he was acting in self-defense. Right. Uh, the gun he was licensed to have, all things came to it. And I mean, the only seemingly independent witness that I saw during that trial was the neighbor who said he saw Trayvon on top of George. Yeah, uh, That, to me, speaks to a case of self-defense. Yeah, And certainly not beyond a reasonable doubt to send somebody possibly to the electric chair. Sure. And you never know when situations are going to turn erotic. Um, <laughs> so have you ever had a case? What was What's one of the cases uh, that, uh, that you've uh, been a part of that have just been, you know, atrocious miscarriages of justice? Have you ever, have you, ever you know, uh, defended someone who were like, they're innocent for all intents and purposes, and they got found guilty? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um it's, it's actually one that does still bother me. It was a it was a stupid case. It was a throwaway case, yeah. realistically. I mean, it was a failure to register as a sex offender. Okay. He didn't register within 10 days, which is an e-felony in the state of New York. Yeah. He had. And I only discovered it after he'd been in jail about 10 months. Yeah. And then the prosecutor completely reversed their theory. They forced it through grand jury a different way. And it spit out a conviction, and I'm still really not sure what I did wrong to get that conviction. I've been yeah. over and over that trial, but I, I that one really bothers me. And what was the conviction that they ended up getting? They, the guy they gave the guy, you know, that he didn't register. Okay, they, they ended up that he didn't register, even though I did have a note. So this is the man who already went through. He he spent time yeah. in prison for being a sex offender. I would assume a pedophile, something like this. Mm-hmm. Not a good person. The other one I know is, is, but, yeah. is represented by a fine attorney from the office when I worked at the public defender's office. A guy named Jeremy Goldberg is one of the best appellate attorneys in the state. Former jazz bass player, studied oh. under Jimmy Garrison. But um, also, he has a case of Ronald Bowers, and uh, you got your computer yeah, there. Yeah. Type in Ronald Bowers. And um, Ronald has been in prison for 18 years for a series of serial rapes around Forest Hills and uh, Kew Gardens area. And um, it looks like it was an actual off-duty police officer who looks freaking exactly like him. Really? Who did it. And so this man's now been in prison for 18 years and it's possible, probable that he's innocent? I'm pretty much convinced he's innocent. Right. Um, Wow. He's out. Is he out now? He was granted parole. Yeah, oh, that was the other thing. He had opportunities to grant parole if he would admit he was a, if he admit he was a rapist and undergo 
like counseling. Right. And he refused to because he says, I'm not a fucking rapist. Yeah. And they actually would not. That's the kind of catch 22 of parole. Right. Well, but uh, he's finally out. That's that's I'm glad he's out. But I don't like the fact that he's out on parole. He should be out because he should be because he's innocent. Because he's innocent. Yeah, yeah. And be exonerated. That's the interesting thing. We mentioned Damien Eccles. I don't know if we mentioned Damien Eccles name, but the West <laughs> Memphis three. Yeah. Uh, the reason he was able to get out of prison there, I believe it was. It's Alabama, Arkansas, Arkansas. Arkansas yeah. yeah. Uh, he had to sign this thing called the Alfred plea. Have you uh, heard about this? Alfred plea. I've done an Alfred plea. And this is a bizarre plea. In New York, they're called Serrano pleas. Serrano. Well, you know, I guess you just go with the idiot that they're based off of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some butler got busted in Arkansas, yeah, so yeah. it's the Alfred plea. <laughs> yeah. um, Actually, no. Alfred is constitutional. Alfred is, it took place in North Carolina. Okay. It's the one that invented it. And But this plea is basically like, I don't, I, I admit. What, okay, so It's a nolo contendere plea for right. states that don't have that. Right. Is what it really is. Explain that. Uh, Nolo contendere is saying you're not going to contest the case. You're going to basically admit your guilt without a finding being found. Um, This is not not a thing, by the way. Yeah, what's the difference between that and pleading guilty? Uh, Well, guilty, you actually have to say under oath, I am guilty. I swear under, you know, such and such, I did this, I'm pleading guilty. Uh Right. In states that allow what's called a no contest or nolo contendere, you say, you just say, I plead nolo contendere at these times to the charges. Nolo contendere, that's a good uh, Mm -hmm. hipster band. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Love that band. And then then the other one is is, um, Serrano, what they do in New York is they actually make the prosecutor allocute the evidence on the record. And then you say, do you wish to enter a plea based on the evidence as presented, acknowledging that that evidence is enough to convict you? And you have to say yes or no. How do you plead nature of these charges based on the Serrano allocution? You say guilty. You say guilty. So you yeah. have to admit your guilt. The state says, OK, mm-hmm. that's great. And now you get to go. Yeah. And but what the what it the, makes no sense. No. And what Eccles they did, they actually they actually read their little statements. Um, you know, it's like I acknowledge, you know, that the state had the evidence to convict me. But I am not guilty of these crimes. But I'm enter- it's 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 a legal fiction, but it works sometimes. Sure, it absolutely works sometimes. And it's, you've had to deal with these in real life. Yeah, I, I just did a Serrano plea on a robbery case. Okay, um, and I, I really didn't like it. It was a robbery case I could have won, but it was kind of a throwaway to a robbery case I couldn't have won. Okay, <laughs> so we just took it. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was two kids chase a guy down. First kid beats up the guy. My guy joins later and is like, yo, let's get out of here. Like, it wasn't a planned situation. Right, right. But I, I guess you could perceive how it looked like it was a robbery. Yeah. And so that's that's a sort of situation for it. But yeah, it's really just a way, it's basically a way to make difficult defendants plead. Oh, I see. It doesn't sure. actually change anything. Right. I mean, that's the joke. I. Damien Eccles, uh, what are the other two's names? Uh, Baldwin and something else. Yeah, um, I, I can't remember. They're all convicted felons. Right. You know, Still, yeah. Yeah, they're all convicted. They can't vote. They can't do a lot of things as convicted felons. And the state of Arkansas will go down saying you're a convicted felon. And Arkansas still says we've never wrongfully convicted anybody. No one's ever been put to death wrongfully because of these pleas. Yeah. And I mean, that's I, I think it's a bit yeah. absurd. Now, I mean, there's the death penalty, though. And that's quite a bit hanging over your head, the chance for a new trial when you saw yeah. how well the first one went. Right, 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 right. You know, Damien Nichols, he could have done better on the stand. I did watch his entire on the, he was a little bit cocky for an 18 year old. But then again, he's dealing with really stupid, portly pigs from Arkansas. Yeah. I also feel that he was, uh, you know, a lot of his defense was really encumbered. Um, by a system that has just uh, some of the evidence that was admissible in that case was, yeah. was outright appalling. Oh, I mean, it was on uh, it was on par with Amanda Knox. It was just it was all just like he's a Satanist, and you know, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what he. And that's all that was all make believe anyway. Yeah. And the thing I also like, I'm really curious about is is despite all that, and it really, I, I'm not saying that you know the the one attorney I've seen him lecture Dan Stidham. He's actually a pretty sharp guy. And a good, solid criminal defense attorney. But, you know, it was, I think, his second murder ever he'd ever done. Sure. Um, And it's tough to bring the turtles in. Yeah, yeah. You know, (laughs) the the turtles did it. Turtles never roll. No. They don't squeal on other turtles to save their soul. They're not saying They're like dock worker union. That's right. (laughs) If you want to commit a crime, do it with a turtle. You're you're totally safe. That turtle will go away with you. Because he's like 250 years old. I'll be here 100 years after you. You're going to do shit to me. Exactly. My home's on my back. That's right. (laughs) Can't rape what you can't get to you know um put me in prison but uh, no it's um no the echoes uh, you know that that thing was but then what was what kind of glares out at me and what i would love to know how this actually happened in the middle of that they got fucking richard offshay to testify in that case and who is this fellow? dr richard offshay is the is the the godfather of false confessions and he wrote literally the book on it 
called Tom Making Falsk- Monsters is a famous scholarly diatribe written by him and his partner. Okay. He's testified in all the big trials. He's a Los Angeles based. He's one of those 10,000 down, 1,500 an hour type guys. Okay. And he testified at their first trial. So I don't know for, how the hell they got him. Would you compare him to uh, to our fans of the uh, great movie series Halloween? He's sort of a Loomis type. Yes. Uh, he is. He studies he is, serial killers and monsters, and he wrote a book about it. Yeah, and well, he studies false confessions specifically. Oh, okay. He is that kind of expert. He's the one that, that debunked a ton of the uh, false sex abuse in like, the preschools and things okay. like that. He was the one who wrote about how people can falsely confess. He's, to my knowledge, the only person to ever do a respected, controlled study of false confessions that was considered ethically upstanding not you know stanley milgram our good friend who <laughs> happily shocked oh, people or stanley. made them push people you know he's sort of okay. an evil. um you know he did one too but um he's what? really the only one but he what? is the the lecturer the doctor the published author and he testified at that trial what brings on a false confession well i mean his case was an example was a fine example that case uh, he had a child of an iq of in the like mid 70s okay you have him interrogated without any type of record of what was going on during the interrogation what was promised what wasn't and um you know a lot of those things oftentimes too i mean it's the detectives who actually write the confessions then you're given to sign Sure. So they make the whole narrative. And yeah, and then you so it's like it's like it when you get a new app or like when you get a, a a new phone and you're just like, I agree. Yeah. When you, yeah, you yeah, just yeah. scroll <laughs> through the the legal agreement, and you're like, I okay, fine. You know, and I mean, those are the things that go into false confessions. I mean, intimidation, hmm. coercion, things like. I that. mean, you get somebody in the box for what, eight hours. Yeah, I mean, I think in that case they had him in like fourteen or. Something. And at no yeah. point, I mean, but at any point, this person could theoretically ask for a lawyer. How many times do you think someone asks for a lawyer and they just kind of brush it under the rug? I think a lot. Often, I think an awful lot. Yeah. As long as, you know, I mean, you know, actually, ironically, I think it's in the lower profile cases they do that. Like With the, the one-on-one people. drug sales. Uh, you know, it's like in a murder, sure. they're not going to risk a fuck up like that. Sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it happens a fair amount. Like, because what they'll say is like, you know, I, I, most people don't directly say, I demand a lawyer. They say, you know, I think I should talk to a lawyer. You don't need to talk to a lawyer, buddy. I mean, we're just taking a statement here. Right. All mm-hmm. I'm doing is just, you know, I know what happened. Right, you know right, what right, happened. Right, right. I'm not going to put, you know, I'm just doing my job. So mm-hmm. make your statement. You still want a lawyer? No. I, you want a lawyer? I'm going to give you a phone call. You're going to call through the damn phone book. No lawyers coming down here at three o'clock right. in the freaking morning. You're going to be held over right. till morning. Tell me what really happened. And maybe I'll cut you loose. Mm-hmm. I'm about to confess to a murder right now. I didn't even, <laughs> but that I watched the documentary in the Central Park Five. That's pretty much verbatim. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's exactly what they do. Yeah. And I, is that legit? Yes. You're mm-hmm. allowed to do that. So you can sort of, I mean, but it's up to the person then to just know their rights and just stop talking. I always, you would recommend stop, n- never tell them anything, right? Yeah, I say in general. I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I actually tell my clients, you know, if you're going to get arrested, just, just look down and think of your favorite song. Just sing your song over in your head. Right. Something to put out what they're saying to you out of your mind. Because yeah. they're not, they're not untrained in this. Right. Oh, they're very good. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're not untrained in how to do this. Yeah, between priests and uh, between priests and uh, mm-hmm. and police, they know how to uh, railroad somebody in a room and make them feel bad. It's an interesting racket, either one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, I guess we got to wrap it up pretty soon here. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I like this. What's your What's your record? I don't even know. Do you, I mean, Do you keep track though? I, I really don't. I used to. Yeah. But I, I haven't in years. Um. You know, I've, I'm actually, I would say it's about 50-50, which is really good at trial. Well, it'd be great if you were the Knicks. Yeah. Well, I would I mean, be super happy with you then. We'd be in the eighth seed for Christ's I mean, we sake. often joke that it's, you know, it's, it's professional baseball players and defense attorneys who get to get yeah. away with only doing their job 30% of the time. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's considered really good. Um, no, I, I, most of my trials, I think I've won more than I've lost. I will go and count. Um, hearings, it's just too numerous. I can't even remember yeah. it. I mean, I... I've now reached the point with trials. I mean, some guy, I was in the jail. He's like, oh, yeah, you got me acquitted. And I was like, who are you? you know? <laughs> That's great. I mean, I just, I, I could not remember at all. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a scary thought. Like Mick Jagger talking to a groupie. Mm-hmm. Well, the worst is also yeah. is drug court. I go to drug court all the time. And, you know, you go in there in treatment. And what happens is I take a plea up front. You enter treatment. They'll dismiss the case when you're done. If you fuck sure. up, they send you upstate. But, I mean, you know, you enter a plea, and then 18 months later, they dismiss the case. I have no idea who these people are. I right. walk into drug court on a new case, and there's 14 of my other clients. Hey, Mr. Polk, it's good to see you. I'm like, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good to see you, too. Mr. Polk, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So you're, so you're emotionally detached. Well, I sometimes. Yeah. Most trials, I'm not. Most trials, you're right. You have to be there. No, most trials, you have to convince yourself you're going to win them. Yeah. Even when you know you're not. Yeah. 
It's you know, most trials I've convinced myself I was going to win them, and I'm very disappointed when I don't. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. No, I've had a lot of first dates, too. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, Jim, I want to have you back. I, I, this was such sure. a fun conversation. You're a brilliant guy. Jim Polk. Yeah, um, please. And, uh, yeah, if you're convicted of, a, uh, convicted of a crime, what's the, uh, do you have a website or something like that? Oh, yeah, it's, it's M-A-Z-Z-E-I-P-O-L-K dot com, or call me at 516-280-9035-247 service. Use it for emergencies, people, honestly. If yeah, you're riding yeah. the bus and you have a warrant, that can wait till Monday. Sure, but, sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, but uh, yeah, call, call right. me at those anytime. We're always available. Uh, you know, we make justice work for you. Well, if you're convicted Absolutely. of a crime and you know you're guilty, call Jim Poke. He'll get you. <laughs> I carry two of his cards in my wallet at all times. I need one. Give me a card. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got, he'll give you. Oh, very right. good. All right. We everybody. got magnets now, actually. Oh, oh, shit. I want a magnet. I want a magnet. Yeah. <laughs> Every girl wants to see a, that magnet on the wall, on the refrigerator of the guy. She, one of my, I, did, uh, before we close, I do have with. to say that was one of my, my favorites. Um. They did a major drug raid of an organization in Queens, and they, yeah. they, one of the places was an apartment basement where they would manufacture the crack cocaine. Yeah. And they had a refrigerator in there for the, the guys to bring their lunch, because it's an ordinary job. And uh, what I was proud is the uh, refrigerator was seized for evidence, and it had one of my magnets on it. <laughs> You're a star. You're a star. Um, all right. So, of course, listen to Roundtable Last Podcast. It's Marcus Parks on Twitter. I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter. Jim Poker, are you on Twitter? I am not. Okay. Well, then. But Mazzy and Polk is. So follow it on Twitter. All right. All right. So I'll talk to you soon. All right. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.